Welcome to Houndsy, the Steel Army Podcast. I'm Dan Yost, and with me today to break down the first two-match week of the season, I got uh, Stevie Storino. Storino, what's good, man? Oh, good. I'm here, my dog. How are you? I am uh, I am fantastic. I have one one lion's head cracked, the second one ready to go. Get us through the next hour or so. And making his uh, his podcast debut, the one and only Seth Thompson. Seth, uh, just back from Vegas. How was... Uh, how was Sin City? Yeah, there's never a bad time to go to the desert. So uh, it was a luckily it was for a family wedding, and everybody made it out without needing to spend any bail money. So we are, uh, you know, put on a couple pounds at some buffets and walked around, saw some cool shows, and uh, glad to be back to 55 and rain. Any any recommendations for those of us going out to uh, going out to Vegas in two weeks? What's the the, the can't miss show or meal or whatever that uh... Uh, if you if you have any level of appreciation for the Beatles, definitely go see the Love Show uh, Circus Soleil at uh, the Mirage. And uh, I have to say, if you're going to go to a buffet, pony up the extra and hit up uh, Caesar's Palace buffet. It is. A plus 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 the uh, the old bacchanal. Yes. Uh, anecdote about uh, the Beatles love. I purchased a ticket to see Beatles love. I have not seen the show. Um, went way too hard uh, the first day and a half, and uh, for for Aaron Paquette's bachelor party, and uh, did not make it to the show that second night. So. Oh man, you missed out. I was I was told it was very very good, and uh, maybe I'll buy a second ticket and maybe see it for the first time. But with that, let's get on to uh, all things Hounds. As I said off the top here, it was a, a two match week for the Hounds, going two and zero on two home two home fixtures. Won the league, won the Open Cup, first Open Cup uh, play since twenty nineteen. We'll start off with Loudon this past uh, this past Saturday. First thing off off the bat, uh, driving down to the stadium, I, I got there a little bit later uh, than normal, and checking Twitter on the way down, you see the lineup of a Silva, Peters, Ordonez, Wheat, uh, Besai, R- Rivera, Griffin, Argudo, Dequa, Cicerone, and Forbes. And uh, my first thought was uh, either there's a ton of injuries or Bob is just doing crazy Bob stuff. What were your thoughts on the uh, on the lineup when you first saw it, Seth? I, I mean, we're still within the first 10 games of the season, so I wonder how much Bob doesn't just kind of pick some names out of a hat uh, just to see what what he can get out of some guys. Uh, obviously, the chemistry isn't 100% there yet, so I think he's really just trying to intermix some people into the 11 and see see how they perform under the pressure. Steve, similar thoughts, or, or you have some great conspiracy theory you want to share with the class? No conspiracy theory. I agree with Seth. I think it's uh, so early in the season. He's just kind of, yeah, exactly that, pulling some names out of a hat and going, well, you know what, this week you're going to play here and you're going to play here and see how it all shakes out and try to get some chemistry going wherever. I mean, I think the guys already have pretty good chemistry, but, I mean, it's still early. It's good to shake it up a little bit, especially whenever it's not costing us, you know, any points on the table or anything like that. So keep shaking. Now. Steve, you were at the game with me. Seth was uh, was 
I'm assuming putting down some beverages at this moment uh, in Vegas when this game was going on. Uh, while we were definitely putting down beverages inside the stadium, what uh, what were your your big takeaways from uh, from Loudon? Uh, biggest takeaway from Loudon, I mean, they really um, are pretty much showing that they're you know fully committed to the two team thing. And I mean, realistically, they I mean they had what I think right before the game they had like three or four players announced that they were being loaned out for the game. I mean, only hours beforehand. I mean, they were probably on the bus when the announcement was made. They're being loaned. I mean, it's just, you know, they're not, they don't seem like they're taking this league too seriously. I don't see them as a threat. I don't think that they're going to, you know, make playoffs this year. It's, you know, it's good to see them go. It's kind of, kind of a bittersweet thing too, because they are fairly close away day. But uh, I mean, they're not really threatening. There's nothing, there's nothing to them that uh, intimidates me as far as, uh, their play on the field or anything like that now you heard this a lot on mongols and there was a lot of this kind of in the stands chatter especially because it was coming off of the detroit game where this was also potentially the like a match of two halves where the hounds looks um not as threatening not showing the teeth as well in the first half and then the second half the sign to the, the turn on a little bit more now both goals come from Dane Kelly, who started on the bench, comes off the bench immediately, makes a big impact. Is it is it foolish to think this was just nothing more than the Dane Kelly show, just him showing what what he can do to turn around a game once he comes once he gets introduced, or is there is there something maybe more to it? Seth, do you have any any ideas on that? Uh, I mean, I th- I think that easy thing to say is the guy's just that good and anytime he steps onto the pitch and the ball gets at his feet, he's likely to go put the ball in the net for you. Um, obviously with USL still adopting the five sub rule, I think, you know, we might get a lot of this this season where you get Dequa starts, goes out there for 60, 65, then you get a fresh Dane Kelly to come in and raise some hell for the last 30, 35 minutes of the game or vice versa. Um, I, I have to think that, I mean, you don't score a hundred goals in a league by luck. So I think, you know, the value of this off signing or off season signing just really is showing what this means to the team. Uh, Steve, is it, is it Dane Kelly? Is it something more? Is it, is it maybe as you alluded to before that, Loudon was not as good as maybe the uh, their first couple games out of the gate said they were, or is it just uh, get the guy who scores a ton of goals, get him on the field, and let him do his thing? I think it's exactly that. I think it's just get the guy that knows how to score on the field and let him do his thing. He ran ran rampant on the kids and uh, tore it up. I mean, you had the all-time assist leader assist on a goal to the all-time leading goal scorer of the league. I mean, that was something pretty cool to see. I, I don't know if I it, in that really given that second moment. I realized it until, you know, a little bit after. But, I mean, to see Conardo uh, assist on a goal for Dan Kelly was actually really cool. When you really think about, you know, the actual stat there, that's really cool. Both from a league standpoint and from a hound standpoint of, of where this team was just a couple of years ago, to then not just not just have those guys in the squad – 
but have those guys doing those things in the squad. I also really liked uh, when Dane scored that second one off the corner, uh, going straight to, to Kenny to celebrate the uh, the really, really beautiful corner kick. Just sent it up for uh, for Dane to get high and, and find the back of the net. Uh, that I really appreciated as well. But moving on from, from the Loudon game, uh, just last night the Hounds finally get back into some Open Cup, open cup action by hosting uh, the Maryland Bobcats. Um, same thing kind of with the, the Loudon game. Uh, I was joking on online with some people, if you gave everyone in, in the group in the Stormy a chance to, to predict the lineup, I don't think anyone was going to get all 11 people. I don't think people would have gotten maybe not 10 or 9. Uh, Steve, I believe you took it. Was it you that took a, a, a gander trying to protect the lineup? That was Yak. Yak that was had Yak. 6 for 11. He went 6 yeah. for 11. And that was, you know, with everything we knew about what Bob was probably going to do with keepers or how much he was probably going to do rotation. But, um, you know, we, we mentioned last week that there was a, a change of 7 players going into Detroit, and we hypothesized would there be more or less than seven changes from Loudon into uh, the Bobcats Open Cup game. And the answer is a resounding more with 10 changes coming from Saturday into Tuesday. Uh, Jamali White, Nate DeSantis, Mikael Williams, Arturo Odunias being the only person who uh, played started both games. The other Williams, Jesse, Angelo Kelly, Mark Ibera, Luis Argudo, Wyatt Borso, Toby Sims, and William Eane, the secret weapon, making, secret the, weapon. Uh, making the start. Secret weapon trademark, uh, Logan. <laughs> uh, Seth, what are your thoughts on, on that lineup when you first saw it 45 minutes before the game kicked off? Well, I mean, I was sitting there refreshing Twitter at 6 o'clock, and then I realized that it's Open Cup, not USL, so it didn't have to be an hour before. Uh and then I was very shocked at the goalkeeping choice. Um, I mean, I have to think that if, if we're going back through the uh, record books to see when was the last time the Hounds had three keepers start in a season, it would probably be like the 17 season whenever Danny Lynn got hurt, Morton got a knock and missed a game or two, and you were down to uh, – Oh, no, um, uh, 2019. Mike. Was that 19? With Because uh, Pack came in to be the third. Okay. Was he the third? Okay. Yeah, he's, he, he got signed midway through the season because they started with two injuries came in. Uh, Pack got signed. So, yeah, probably only 2019 would be the last time. And then last year they All signed right. three keepers off the start and never have to use a third. Yeah, and even after a couple – uh, off games for I'm blanking on his name. Uh, the the secondary keeper last year, we didn't see anybody else for probably 75% of the way. But uh, White, I tell you what, he, uh, he definitely, you want to talk about a little bit of a sweeper keeper. I don't think we've had somebody who's that aggressive off his line. He was uh, there was a couple of balls that he came out in between the six and twelve range for, with a lot of people with a lot of traffic in the box, and uh, it was it was kind of uh, refreshing to see. Uh, it, part of me was wondering if that's naturally his style of play, or if 
he knew this was his chance to go out and make a little bit of impression, give give Bob a second thought every time he's filling out the goalkeeper line. And uh, I I mean, obviously he didn't see a ton of legitimate action from Maryland, but I was I was impressed with what I did see. Steve, what were your uh, opening impressions when you saw uh, saw that lineup of ten changes from from Saturday? I mean, first and foremost, in order for us to put out a full, pretty much fresh set of guys, and then uh, obviously still come out with a W with a team, you know, maybe not quite at the same level as you know USL, but I mean, I'd probably say they're probably comparable to you know Loudon as far as skill set. Um, I mean, we still got to win the whole, t- the whole, you know, the whole team at turnover on the field. Um, it's just kind of impressive that we could go out there with just about anybody, um, you know, from our roster and, you know, come out on top with a win. Um, and like, you know, like Seth was saying, uh, White was putting on a show, um, getting, seeing him getting outside of the, uh, you know, outside the box and just playing the ball with a lot of traffic around was, it was actually really cool to see. I mean, I mean, the guy, the guy is definitely going to make the Bob think just like Seth said. I mean, it's happy to, I'm happy to see that, he, you know, not that the other two guys aren't impressed me yet, but uh, it's nice to see that there's a little bit of a fight for, you know, who deserves a start, starting spot every week. And it's not just kind of a layup. And that kind of leads to my, my next question here. It was, and the stats kind of bored out with going through them all. It, it was a very much a, a one-sided game. Uh, I, Maryland had two, I think, two shots. Uh, nothing terribly uh, uh, challenging. Not asking the right questions, if you will. But do you believe this 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 result is a bigger, um, I don't know, validation of of the depth that this team has this year, or is this more of a uh, a statement on the on the Bobcats just not being too terribly strong? To their credit, they also had some rotation in their squad as well. Um, backup keeper Chris Cocker, who became the the ire of of the Steel Army last night, and their their lean score was also not uh, not starting. So they had some some rotation as well. But do you think this is more the Hounds just having really really good depth, like we like we were guessing or predicting before, or is Maryland just just not that strong? I'd say a little bit of both. Um... Go ahead, Seth. What were you going to say? I I think like the Hounds' depth is far exceeding my expectations at this point, um, especially since like it, you know a month ago we only had what three midfielders signed, and now all of a sudden you have this group of six or seven that are real. I mean, it's hard to say they're interchangeable when you have guys like Danny Griffin and Canardo Forbes. You know those are going to be your stalwarts in the midfield, but there's some really good midfield pairings that you can put together that I think you can, you can really see in a game like last night that they really, when they got hold of the ball, uh, there was just so much inner, inner workings and the runs were coming from everywhere. I was at home last night uh, fighting off jet lag, but you know, Devin Kerr kept raving about how the hounds really, do a nice job and in particular bob is you know they might come out and play a particular style for the first 15 and then everything just flips once a defense starts to set in on 
okay, they're attacking this side, this guy's making the run. All of a sudden, everything changes again. And I think it just makes it really tough on a team like Maryland, who probably doesn't have the experience of seeing in-game tactic changes like that, uh, to have to find, you know, who's my guy, where am I, where am I running to, and who am I picking up whenever the crossing starts to happen. So I, I, like, I, I lean more towards the depth of the hounds at this point. Steve, was it uh, uh, Bobcats bad? Hounds depth really, really good. Something in the middle. I would say, I would say more towards Hounds depth good, but definitely Bobcats bad. I mean, they they uh, just were missing a lot of key pieces, and that would definitely showed. Um, I mean, the Hounds. I wouldn't even call these guys a B squad for us by any means because they definitely put on a little bit of a show anyway. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was, you know, for us to put on pretty much mostly bench players and still pretty much dominate the game. I mean, that 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 shows promise we're going to we're going to make it far this year. And it would be a, a a crime not to go a little bit in depth on the on the two goals coming from Toby Sims, defender by trade, popping in two first two professional goals and both of them in their own unique ways pretty really pretty the first one uh basically let it play across his body uh using the instep to redirect it to the to the back post and then the second one maybe even more beautiful um I, i'm going to assume that the answer is no you did not expect toby sims to have have that in his back pocket but seth would you like to tell us if you thought that man had that in his back pocket i mean he was league two defender of the year last year as a center is predominantly what I read as a center back. So for him to play wide and then put on the offensive showing that he did really, I mean, Bob must trust him an immense amount uh, to put him in that position. And then for him to capitalize on that start to go grab a brace like that. I mean, like you said, those were two, you know, just nice goals. Uh, taken well, and I was very shocked to see an Englishman uh, hit the home run celebration. Uh, but he did that on the first, and I was I was hyped for the celly. So good on him. Dropping the shoulder a little too much. He's just popping that up to the second baseman. <laughs> hey, with the with the rain, and I'm guessing the wind you guys had the last night, he could have maybe taken it to the short porch. Possibly, if you uh, uh, go left field and just just right over the wall at PNC Park, maybe got a shot. Steve, uh, were you expecting a pair, expecting a brace from uh, from Toby Sims? I was not. However, I will will say that I was waiting for this guy to have some kind of breakout, you know, point in the season that I expected. And you know, five games in at the Open Cup match or the first Open Cup match, no, but. I mean, shout out to the UK fan podcast guy because, I mean, he definitely hypes him up a lot. Um, And the poor bastard couldn't watch the game last night. I know. Just strictly based on that, it told me that that at some point this season, this guy's going to become, you know, a somebody on the team. I mean, for him to score two goals last night, that's incredible. I I wish UK fan podcast guy could see it. I'm sure there's probably – highlights on youtube by now or something he may have saw but wish he could have saw it live we got to send him the uh like the we got to do tape trading with with fez over the uk just send him like a vhs of, of the, the cup games that he can't get 
Yeah, for sure. <laughs> Day trading games would be great. <laughs> we also need we need to we need to arrange for the the Fez uh, Toby Sims interview for the UK podcast and just let them those within five minutes. You can't understand what either one of them are saying. It'll be fantastic. I love it. Uh, so outside of the the match itself, it was nice to have the Open Cup back. Um, it was an, in true pure Open Cup second round. Just terrible weather, the, the windy, uh, a nonstop rain. If if there was three hundred people there, I'd be shocked. Uh, in our section, there was maybe thirty five spattering of people um, in the grandstand. It was really everything you could hope for uh, in an Open Cup second round matchup, except maybe uh, have an amateur team instead of instead of a pro team. But I was just really happy to have that back. I think everyone who was there, despite despite the wind, despite the rain, despite the the, the absolute no uh, no crowd, uh, powered through it. They even get the drums out. Just use the uh, the flag sixes as uh, as percussion against the uh, against the bleachers was fantastic um had a couple of buddies show up to the game uh they got off or he got off work him and his, his girlfriend he got off of work at seven they decided to hop over to the game she was afraid she was going to get there too late and it would, they'd be sold out of tickets which was the, maybe the funniest thing i've heard in a long time <laughs> so they roll in obviously there was no one there they hop over to the section uh they have a good time um they usually can't make it out to a lot of the Saturday games with work, so good to see them get out there. Um, speaking of Bobcats uh, goalie uh, Chris uh, Cocker, he he got the the classic uh, open open cup treatment of just just laying into the last name as long as he could in, in like in good old Igor fashion back from the Adria days. Um, he gave us a good water bottle. Yeah, he got he gave us the water bottle squirt in the fuck you after the. Uh, the end of the first half, so we all felt pretty accomplished. <laughs> the water bottle squirt, that's such a hockey move. Yeah, he like, did the water yeah. bottle squirt. He was trying his best not to not to respond to us until until the end of the first half, but at one point he went to go towel off his gloves with the towel he had laying on the ground, and a couple of us just quickly reminded him that that, you know, that towel is doing nothing for him at this point because it's just it's soaked, and he cracked a smile. I was like, okay, we got you now, guy. We're in your head. And then, uh, yeah, I think after about 20 minutes of just hearing his last name, he, he had enough of it. So he gave us the, uh, gave us the fuck you. We gave him the, the, the left, right, left, right, left, right off the field. And about three quarters of the way down there, he started like, like high stepping it, trying to get us off the count. So, uh, good old open cup shenanigans at play. But with that win, uh, the Hounds put their name in the hat for the third round. Uh, the third round draw is Friday at noon. Um, what this means for the Hounds is it will be down to... Oh, what's it going to be? Uh, there will be 17 MLS teams entering. There will be thirty the 34 winners moving on. Um... Maybe that's not right, but anyways, there's slightly, slightly, slightly more than fifty percent chance of of facing an MLS squad, uh, not accounting for uh, regional issues in terms of uh, where teams are located that go into the next round. 
So my question for you guys is, because I always ponder this myself when we go into, uh, as a fan of, of a lower league club uh, in England, I always have the same question where people get excited about the chance of hosting a first division team. In the back of my mind, going, no, I want the easiest. I want the easiest possible team every single round. I I don't want. No, I I want the I want the easy game. So I'll pose it to you two guys. All things equal, would you rather face an MLS squad in the next round, or would you rather face an amateur team that somehow makes it uh, makes it through to the next round? Seth, what the, what's your preference? I agree with you on the easiest path through the tournament, uh, but at the same time, you know, in eighteen they went to Columbus, lost a one nil match there. So I, I mean, I'd have to think that any MLS side we would face in the next round would be heavily rotated, and I, I can't remember what week that next game falls in to see what would be the bookends for the Hounds that week as far as who we would have. It will. You know, it'll I, be I, two weeks from now. So if if it's a home game, it actually it will end up being the the next home game that the Hounds have because they're on the road the next two Saturdays. And Correct. word on the street is it would if it's home just with stadium availability, it would most likely fall on the twentieth, and then that which is the what the Wednesday the twentieth, and then Wednesday their, yeah yeah and then their next home league game was the home on the twenty third. So and if it's it'd if be, it's on the road, it'd be it'd be after Vegas. It'd be the week after Vegas, yeah. Yep. Sorry, I stepped over there, Seth, but I wanted to throughout when the actual game is. And Seth got quiet on me. Steve, uh, your choice. Yep. MLS I was or... On oh, you... <laughs> okay. Sorry, man. Okay, He's a first-timer. <laughs> oh, sorry. Uh, all right. Uh, so, games in two weeks. Respect the question. MLS or lower league? What do you want? You're kicking to me now. I would say I agree with both of you too. Actually, um, I mean, if if we're base basing the question based on the the Hounds want to take the the competition serious, um, I mean, if we're not necessarily taking this competition serious, yeah, by all means, bring an MLS team to Pittsburgh. That'd be fun to watch. And I mean, ideally, we don't get our asses kicked. But uh, the goal is to actually somewhat take this serious. Um, the path of least resistance is definitely the way to go much rather see us take on you know like Motown or somebody who's playing right now and that actually gets by and wins um and I mean even if we travel or they come to Pittsburgh I'd, I'd much rather play a lower team let me throw out two possibilities that if it's not an MLS side because if you're, if you're looking MLS you're looking Chicago uh Cincinnati Columbus, I think, would actually come in in the, the round after, I, I believe. So they probably aren't an option. Uh, you see? But let me throw out two options that are not MLS sides. Right now, Cleveland is tied with Ford Madison in the 22nd minute. And Detroit won last night uh, against the Michigan Stars. Uh, hashtag Sharda. Um, would a, would a, a, a third-round draw against either... Uh, Detroit or Cleveland do anything for you guys, Seth? 
I, th- I think they're in all systems go as far as the Open Cup comes, especially with the lights on Saturday before and Atlanta to the Saturday after. You have a pretty good opportunity to rotate half the squad in each of those games and kind of, you know, do a little load management there. So that way you're not racking up too many minutes on guys early. You could go with a full starting 11 or what we've kind of perceived to be the starting 11 at this point in that midweek. So I'd say bring on anybody at that point. Steve Storino, could I, could I sell you on, on Cleveland? The fave to be honest with you. I mean, it's, I would love to see it just on paper, but I mean, there's really nothing there, so it doesn't excite me much, to be honest with you. I mean, if you're going to go, Fine. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I'm sure. just out here. I'm trying to sell I, people on, on things other than MLS. I'm trying to trying to be I, that I, guy here. I hear you. I mean, the story sounds good, I and mean, who knows? Maybe that would draw a little bit of a crowd just for the people that are kind of not hip to. Cleveland not being in the league and not knowing what the Open Cup is, just hearing a Pittsburgh-Cleveland matchup might draw a few people. But, I mean, that really doesn't do anything for me, to be honest. There's nothing there. Um, and just like Seth said, I mean, if they bring, say, Detroit in, um, it's easy for us to kind of manage our team and, and put out probably our best 11 or close to for whoever that matchup would be, whether it's a team of, you know, equal talent or close to talent. Um I mean, I, I, I could definitely say that if it's not an MLS team, we could definitely put most of the focus on winning that game and kind of put ATL, UTD2 on the back burner for the following day or following game. Steve, any, uh, any final thoughts on the, uh, on the Open Cup on last night on, uh, on the tournament in general before we, uh, we move on to Tulsa this Saturday? Nah, just bummed I couldn't be there. Um, silly me, not paying attention. I was that is the to do worst. You, that, that is the worst. <laughs> you, you did not have to share that you're you're doing taxes. That I I just being honest, man. I had to do sometimes. My taxes. You don't have to be I, that honest. When you said that, <laughs> I wasn't paying attention you said that Monday. I I I had the response tweeted out or like thumbed out. I was like, I can't I can't hurt this guy this bad. I just deleted it. Oh, fire anything. at me. Hey, doing to, your taxes. To quote Chappelle's show. Is that what's hot in the streets, Steve? Doing your taxes? <laughs> nice. Seth, any final Open Cup thoughts? I love the Open Cup. I think it's great. It's back. Uh, and, you know, honestly, I think Open Cup matches were some of the more, you know, smaller attendant games that got me really into the hound. So glad it's back. Hope they can win you know five six seven more matches however many it will take beautiful well now we have to look forward to this saturday the hounds are traveling out to tulsa oklahoma you know, take on uh, what used to be the tulsa roughnecks now they go by fc tulsa rebranded uh, 2020 i think they did the rebrand but anyways, Tulsa so far this year, uh, they are three and two. They have wins over Birmingham, over uh, Sugar Free, and over St. Diego. Losses to Charleston and Sacramento. Uh, last week weekend out, they beat. Um, uh, they beat. What they do? Oh, uh, sorry, can't look at my notes here. Uh, yesterday they beat Tulsa Athletics two one in the Open Cup. Uh, before that, in the past weekend, they were against uh, against Jersey, where they played up a man for 88 minutes, but still conceded a pair of goals. 
Um, Steve, we'll start with you. What are your uh, what are your top line items uh, going into Tulsa on Saturday? I think early on, I think it was maybe a I don't know. The, it was the first episode I think I was on. Um, the question was asked. You know, do you see the the Hounds losing big? Um, to any given team, and if I remember correctly, I think I actually said Tulsa was going to be the game that we. You hear, you hear me you know, flipping just, papers. I have the, I have that list of responses here. I figured you did somewhere. Yeah, I, I believe I was the one that said you Tulsa did. You said you said Tulsa was your was your your ugly loss. Yeah, and you know I kind of kind of want to take that back a little bit because I'm not as intimidated going going to Tulsa anymore. To me, they uh, like you said they you know they conceded to being up a man playing a two team. I mean, the way the hounds have been playing, I am definitely going into Tulsa a little more confident than I did at the beginning of the season for no other reason than just, you know, preseason predictions had those guys looking like a pretty top team. And, uh, I really don't think so anymore. I think, I think we're the big dogs. We really are. Now I was going through their, some of their previous games a little bit here. Uh, their typical formation has been a four, two, three, one, uh, and then this last week when they obviously played up a man for 88 minutes with the keeper getting sent off, it turned into a what kind of looked like a 2-4-2-2. Two, two, two. Uh, what I thought was going to be a, a better comparison is what they did at home against San Diego where they lined up in a 4-2-2-2, two, 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 and then their number nine, Brian Brown, actually ended up pushing up way higher, uh, which uh, I guess you could almost make a make a claim that it was like a 4-2-2-1-1 cuz it was clearly a one lone striker up top and then the second fallen a little bit behind him uh and then two packs of two in the midfield and then four low on the back and i'm assuming if that's how they're going to play at home against San Diego they might play something similar against the Hounds uh Seth what are your thoughts on on Tulsa going into Saturday JJ Williams he's a big body but luckily, you know, with our back three, we have some quality size back there that I think can put put some uh, elbows into a back and stomach and make them make them know that we're there. Uh, they they have a old friend of the hounds, Lebo Maloto. So you know, it, it'll be interesting. Hope everybody uh, brings some extra pine tar uh, and gets ready to play any uh, short hops off any lips around the uh, around the dirt. Yeah, you touched on two things I, I have in my notes here as well. First, uh, you brought up, uh, brought up Lebo, uh, notable former hound. It's been a while since they have faced Lebo because of uh, the COVID years. But the last time the hounds faced, uh, faced Lebo, he was with he was with Nashville back in 2019. Um it was, this game was on September 21st. The Hounds playing down in Nashville. Toby got sent off. So the Hounds are playing down a man on the road, nil-nil, and our boy Lebo put in a shift for us, missing open nets left and right. I claimed him as, as the Hounds' man of the match for his, his woeful performance for Nashville. Hounds get out of there, down a man, but, but snatch a point. And that point ended up being, uh, being vital for the Hounds winning the Eastern Conference uh, regular season. So uh, my last memories of Lebo were very, very positive uh, for him. Maybe not the same. Um, 
I I look forward to seeing he's he's played four out of their five games, I believe. He gets he usually makes it about 60, 70 minutes and then and then gets subbed off, so he's not not playing ninety minutes anymore. Um but I'm excited to see him again. I hope he get turns into a similar performance as he did in 2019. Uh, Steve, any any thoughts on Lebo Melota coming back? Uh, just cool to see a familiar face. It's, he's just kind of one of them guys. Like well, after they left, you kind of had no hard feelings against. At least I think. I mean, similar to like uh, a more recent years, seeing Tommy V come back, Ryan James, those kind of guys. If and when they come back later in the season, you know, just happy to see them. Um, no hard feelings type of thing, but yeah, that's really all. And then the other thing Seth brought up was, uh, heading back out to, uh, to ye old baseball pitch, uh, after avoiding baseball fields for a while, two out of the first three road games for the, for the hounds going on baseball fields. At least Memphis has looked, uh, acceptable. And I think everyone has seen the clips of, uh, the new uh, the Jersey uh, Tulsa game from last Saturday, that field looks um, horrid. Is it, can you say horrid? Looks or, like a baseball field. Looks like a yeah. It looks like a baseball field <laughs> and not a soccer pitch. Uh, any concerns looked, about the, the about doing the baseball field thing again? I mean, obviously, ankles and knees become a concern whenever you're switching between grass and dirt like that i mean and it it's not even like they try to cover it up it seems like the only thing they do is flatten the mound out uh so that's obviously a concern it'll be interesting to see what kind of footing the guys have whenever you you know go to make a cut in between the two dribbling in between the two uh i think the hounds have gotten kind of lucky i think the most of the east has gotten lucky with the a lot of places have moved to the astro or the field turf so you have a lot of true bounces ball scoots across it pretty evenly you know what to expect uh and when you get to a case like this where you have dirt intermittently through your through your attacking third and your defending third uh for equal parts of the game you you never know what kind of bobbles you might get and then you have to get the uh when playing it out of the back wrong twitter account up and hope you don't see you got see uh the beloved on it indeed uh so let's let's wrap up our thoughts on tulsa and take it back to where we were at the beginning of the podcast uh, either of you guys want to throw out some some starting lineup hot takes for uh for what bob might do going into tulsa this weekend is there uh any guesses on on the keeper? Well, let's let's actually talk about the keeper for a second. So, Vosvik starts the first two games, and then Silva comes in, and now uh, uh, White, who just got signed, comes in for the Open Cup game. Are we assuming that Vosvik got hurt, or is he just somehow come came out of favor? Because we're not getting any any info out of the team. Is anyone just? I mean, I feel like it has like it has to be an injury, but. Uh, did you guys see anything about Vosvik the first two weeks that made you think that he uh, was not in, in favor with Bob? I, I don't think anyone's really had a substantial enough workload to say one way or the other. Uh, so I think it's still kind of TBD as far as, you know, 
no one's had to go out and stand on their head to steal a point for us or keep us in a match. So and until we get some official uh, injury report on Vosvik, I, I think Bob's just really trying to see some guys in uh, game action. Seth, similar or uh, sorry, Storino, similar thoughts or um, maybe you got some 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 behind the scenes dirt that we uh, you could share with the class. Fortunately, no behind the scenes dirt, um, but yeah, similar thoughts. I think he's just again so early in the season, just rotate them out and see who see who sticks. Um, I would say I'm going to guess that uh, we're probably going to see Silva in that this weekend. Um, don't couldn't even tell you who's going to be on the bench as a backup, but I'm going to say Silva will probably start net. Um, that would be my guess. Any other any other lineup hot takes you want to throw out there? Any any wild predictions? You know, I think uh, I think we really are waiting to see something happen with uh, Dos Santos. Um, so to me, he seems like the type of player that should be cracking the starting lineup more often than not, and. Uh, I mean, I think he did pretty well, um, you know, anytime he was subbed on and uh, last night when he played. Um, he got a, did he get a start in D.C.? I can't remember now offhand. I don't think he did, but uh, I, I would like to see him start more often. I think he's just kind of become another one of those guys, at least in my head, um, that I just expect to see on the pitch more often than not. So I'd like to see him in the starting 11. Seth, go inside the mind of a Bob Lilly. Who's starting on Saturday? I mean, we talked about him earlier in the show, but I, I really think you might see Toby Sims get another start, see what he can do with the quote-unquote regular 11. And if he if he has another breakout performance, we might not see his name off the team sheet the rest of the year. I'll throw out someone I would like to see come back into the, the lineup, not because the person who's, who's more or less taking a spot has done anything wrong. I just want to see more of, of this guy, and that is uh, that's Dan Brott. Uh, Rivera got his paperwork sorted out and basically took uh, Dan Brott's spot in the lineup. And as discussed last week, I'm loving what, what, what he's doing out there. Uh, but I do want to see some more minutes uh, for Robbie. I think he showed a lot of good stuff. I like his, his size. I like his aggressive aggressiveness down that that left side. I would like to see him get back into the eleven again. Nothing that Rivera's done wrong at all. I just I just want to see some more minutes from him. He's the guy of, of this whole roster that kind of intrigues me. So I, I maybe for that alone, I want to see a, a little more Dan brought in my life, and that can happen on Saturday. So with that said, um, gentlemen, do you have any final thoughts? On the uh, on the past week of of the hounds, the hounds kingdom, shall we say, the first two match week going into Tulsa, where they're going to look to stay undefeated, going through five games on the season or on the league six overall. Uh, Seth, we'll start with you. Any any good final thoughts? This team's really consistent so far, uh, as far as the performances they've turned in. They, I don't think they've put together a full 90 yet, but there's been really good glimmers of hope through some of these first five. Um, it, you know, I think with 
the way Bob builds the roster and turns over the roster year to year, we've kind of gotten used to these slow starts. So for them to be, you know, four wins and a draw plus, uh, you know, with the Open Cup, it, it's it's kind of exciting trying to, you know, pace myself as far as expectations go. But uh, I, I think uh, I, I'd be really curious what this team looks like in practice when Bob splits up 11s and says go after it for a half hour. Because I have to imagine those are some pretty intriguing little scrimmages they get going into. Storino, your uh, any thoughts you want to share before uh, before we get out of here? Thoughts I want to share, sure. So, uh, going back to your paper with all of our answers, oh, yes. uh, I believe there was only two of us of the Houndsy crew that said that the Hounds would do double digits with the clean sheets. And uh, if you want to go on the season, we're two for four. All games played were three for five, so double digits doesn't seem too far out of the, uh, you know, out of the question in my opinion. I mean, it's still pretty early on, but two out of the four games were already clean sheets. Um, I'm feeling pretty good with my guess of I think it was twelve. You have thirteen. Pretty, thirteen, yeah, I knew it was somewhere around that. I went seven, and that's already we're already at three, so I'm not feeling great about that. Yeah, definitely feeling pretty confident on the double digit guess. I, I know, I know, Logan was pretty high up. I think he was closer to like sixteen. He was at sixteen, and Vesti went eleven. So I was, I was, yeah, way under the rest of the group. Yeah, double digits is definitely going to happen this season, no doubt. Well, then let's uh, let's take this down to where we uh, where we should end every week, and that is uh, education is important, and continuing education is even more important. Storino, what did we learn tonight? Uh, that uh, I forgot any U.S. Open Cup games we're on right now, and I've been watching basketball throughout the entire uh, episode as we recorded. So uh, as soon as we get off here, we've talked soccer for you know a good 45 minutes or more and probably watch some soccer. Nice. Uh, going back to the previous conversation about Cleveland, they are now trailing Ford Madison 1-0. So maybe not uh, a visit with Cleveland coming up, which makes now, me sad. Now, say Ford Madison wins. Is it just is it is it going to be like a regional draw? I'm a little out of the realm of truly how U.S. Open Cup gets drawn. Yeah, is there a possibility Madison comes here? There could be. They're going to do. Um, I think they're waiting to see the, the locations of of all the teams that remain. Uh, they're going to right. do, I believe, either groups of four or groups of six, and then you'll you'll be you'll, okay. you'll be a draw within those groups, uh, okay. assuming that yeah, MLS fair. teams are not drawn against each other in this next round. Yeah, I knew there was slim to no chance of us going to like California for a game, but I didn't know if like Madison was within reach. Maybe. Yeah, it's all going to depend on on just what teams remain and how they can geographically pair them or group them as best they can. Um, there's always a, there's always okay. a chance of of a, of a weird one. I mean, what's what's the one going on? To, is there one tonight or is there one tomorrow that's really that's really out there? Um, oh, where's oh Green Greenville's hosting Oakland tomorrow as oh, the uh, okay. yeah as the, the the really weird cross country one. Okay. Yeah, Seth. Um, first time on the podcast. What did you learn tonight? Uh, I learned that Saturday's match is at 2 p.m. 
Uh, so don't tune in at 7 p.m. because 22 to the point will probably have something that you don't care to watch on TV. Family Feud, man. Uh, <laughs> family yeah, Feud, likely. yeah. So good answer. Uh, I'm glad I was able to get that sorted out in my brain because I am a predominant creature of habit, and I just assume that all matches are at 7 o'clock. Speaking of which, uh, the week after, I just finally realized that the Vegas game is at 4 o'clock out there, which will make it, what, 3 to 1 p.m. out here. So, uh, yeah, a couple early afternoon games for the next two weeks. No, other way. Nope, other way other around. Way. Oh, damn it. Four, I went the wrong way. Yep, so it's going to be 7 o'clock. Yep. Whew. See, well, it's always. not my problem. I just knew that I had to be uh, at the stadium at 4 o'clock, so I was good. <laughs> Make sure you leave the crafts table about three fifteen, something so like that. You can go cash out, and spend a couple dollars, and pet a llama. Yeah, I I have I got my picture with the llamas a couple years ago. Looking forward to do it again. Um, yeah, just get off the table, get hit the Uber, get down there, and that we're still trying to figure out what the uh, what the post games are going plans are going to be because I was I was banking on a seven o'clock game, but now the. Uh, all the all the shows and everything for Saturday night are, are back in play, so uh, still trying to work through that. You, I mean, you have time to go to the match, go back to your hotel, grab something to eat, shower, maybe a quick little nap, and then the night's still a puppy in Vegas terms at that point. Yes, so it is. You have the full gamut is in front of you. And of all of all the dumb things that. The, the scorpions are playing in town that night. I'm I'm kind of intrigued. <laughs> the scorpions, ladies and gentlemen, the scorpions. I hope I I hope they would play the hurricane song. Uh, what what <laughs> other songs are they gonna play? They got the they got a they have a bunch of oh, you kids, you fucking <laughs> kids. Ah oh, Jesus. They probably they probably open and close with it. I'd yeah. be fine with that. Oh hell! Uh, let me get back to my notes here and get this thing the hell out of here. Oh, uh, what did I I learn tonight? Uh, I learned uh, how time zones work just in the, the past few minutes because um, apparently I forgot the, which way the uh, the sun sets and rises. So that's my big education of the night. Uh, so on behalf of Storino, I'm Dan. Uh, I told Seth um, it was his job to take us out for the uh, for the rest of the show. So Seth, give us that. Give us that final read, and uh, let's call it a night. All right. We'd like to thank the Beautiful Game Network for providing the online hosting of Houndsy. Check out the wealth of soccer content being produced weekly at bgn.fm. The Houndsy theme music was composed and performed by Rocket Man and the Space Babies. Check them out at facebook.com back forward slash Space Babies PGH. The show is produced by Joe Maragic. Email the show at steelarmypgh at gmail.com and put podcast in the subject line. All complaints about the show can be sent to nick.noble at mail.wvu.edu. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back soon.